is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Great job by Austin on Sounds of the Week, brought to you by Davis Vision. Their spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out, davisvisionmd.com, or call today, 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, it's the big show. We're going to talk to Howard Beck uh, coming up here momentarily. We'll get Howard's thoughts on uh, on the Jazz going into the playoffs. Yes, indeed. Look forward to talking with him. We do. We we look forward to talking to him every uh, every Friday. You can be dialed in on tonight's playing game. Yes. Yeah. I don't know uh, anybody who covers the Jazz or who's a fan of the Jazz uh, how you can miss that stuff. That's important. It's important. I wonder if how punitive will it be if the Warriors are to win this game that they've had to play these two games. And the Jazz have been sitting around resting. It will matter early in this series one way or another. Yeah. After they get a few games in, I'm not so sure. But yeah. early in the series, uh, I think it, it will, or has the opportunity yes. to make a difference. Um, let's get to it. Let's get to the open. Austin, go ahead. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Happy Friday, Howard. How are you? Doing well, guys. How are you? Hey, we're doing we're doing great. We have lots of playoffs to dive into, but uh, let's start here because you just put out a podcast with Lamar Odom, of all people. Talk about a, a curious journey of a, of a basketball player and, and certainly in life. What did you learn from Lamar? Yeah, well... Thank you. And obviously, Lamar has been through a lot in the last, well, his, his entire life, really. I mean, things going back to childhood and just in, in terms of loss and trauma and all kinds of things. But as, as everybody knows, you know, he nearly died in 2015 from, you know, massive overdose. And he, you know, in the wake of that, you know, a whole a whole bunch of things have gone on. But he is clean and he is um, in a really great state of mind these days, and part of what has gotten him back to to you know full mental and physical health was a really fascinating uh, regimen of of treatment that he underwent. It's been almost two years, but it, it the documentary about that journey and about his treatment just came out. It's called Lamar Odom Reborn. It's on YouTube. I think it's in some other places too, but you can find it on YouTube. It's it's 50 minutes long. It's called Lamar Odom Reborn, and it's about this regimen of ketamine, which is you know not the kind of thing you get over the counter. This is this has to be not, and it's not even just prescribed. It has to be taken under the supervision of a doctor, and it's um it's it's a drug that's been around a long time, and it's it's. It's a hallucinogenic on some level. It is. Um, it, it has a variety of uses, 
but he, he's been going through these ketamine treatments and then also something called Ibogaine, which is not legal in this country. He had to go to Mexico for it. And again, hallucinogenic properties. But for somebody who has been addicted, for somebody who has uh, dealt with also severe depression, these are treatments that can, you know, the, that, that, that can kind of reset your, your brain. Um, and I don't know a better way to say that. And I know that sounds a little weird and a little scary. And, and frankly, watching the film um, when I screened it a week ago, like I was nervous for Lamar. I told him this when, when I interviewed him. Like I just, I, just I, I felt very tense. Like this is, this is, this is um, some pretty wild stuff. But it, it, there, there is a proven track record too, especially with the ketamine, which, which is used in this country and, and you know, like I say, heavily supervised um, settings. So he's in a very good place, and um, he's you know he's got you know he's he's, he's reconnected with his his adult children, um, with his ex-wife, um, and he, I, it just it was just encouraging to see Lamar Odom, who obviously was a fabulous player, and to having having obviously the, the whole world saw what he went through in the last you know five six years, and especially the near death experience. That um, it's just great to see him in in a really good place right now. Howard, did he have any advice as far as uh, this cautionary tale, really, of what to avoid for people who, who who might benefit from that kind of advice? Nothing specific, but you know, he does now consider himself, among other things, an advocate for mental health and for talking openly about mental health. And he talked about how great it was that Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan and others have brought this, you know, into the mainstream discussion within the NBA and that, you know, these are issues that obviously for years people just were, you know, didn't want to talk about openly and, and teams in the league, you know, maybe weren't great about supporting on these issues. But he wants to be, you know, more of an active spokesman in, in that area. Um, I think he's trying to find, you know, new ways to 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 be, you know, uh, whether it's engaged with the NBA or elsewhere, just to, to kind of, you know, um, to, to I, I don't like I say, I, you know, you ask, is there something specific he can tell people? And I don't think there is because his experience is very unique to him. Right. Uh, childhood trauma, addiction a lot of loss, a lot of deaths of people close to him. So he, you know, he's his own unique um, experience. And I don't know that that's, you know, th- there are lessons that are necessarily transferable, uh, you know, especially when you talk about, you know, addiction issues, you know, people have, have you know, all their own um, challenges in, in that regard. Um, but I think that for him, it's more just a matter of by sharing his experiences, by being open about it, it, you know, hopefully provides an opening for people or a, a greater comfort for people to realize that, you know, you know, even people in his, in his position have gone through um, some, some really tough stuff. And, you know, that there are, there are always ways to, to kind of tackle these issues. Howard, is it a no brainer? Should the jazz uh, fans be cheering for the Grizzlies tonight? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, Listen, you know, we can sell teams short. We can um, misestimate, uh, miss, you know, you know, assess teams at times. And it's not that a, a young, scrappy Grizzlies team couldn't pose some sort of challenge. It's just that one team has one of the greatest players and one of the greatest shooters, probably the greatest shooter we've ever seen, and the other team does not. 
So, yeah, I think when in doubt, steer you, you want to steer away from Steph Curry if you can. Um, the Warriors have a lot of flaws in that roster, but they very nearly won the other night against the Lakers. I mean, if not for an incredible shot by LeBron at the end, maybe the Warriors win that game, um, in which case the, the, the Jazz would then be hoping somehow the Grizzlies could upset the Lakers. Um, but Steph Curry, you know, one hot shooting night, you let him get loose, and it, it just turns everything. John Morant is a really talented player. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a very talented player, but that team just doesn't have that same kind of threat in, in, in the body of a single person and they're inexperienced right like that the, the Grizzlies they've got some playing experience but they don't have any playoff experience and, and I do think that matters so yeah I, I think you guys are rooting for a Grizzlies upset um, I'm not counting on that happening so Howard have you uh, revealed uh, the way you voted in the awards um, some some yes, some no, and it's not because I've withheld anything. It's just like I don't do the full-on column that explains every last vote. Um, so it's just a matter of, of what's come up. So, you know, fire away, and I'll tell you, you know, whatever <laughs> whatever I can remember off the top of my head. How did Rudy do? How did uh, Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles, and how did Quinn Snyder do? Uh, I'll start with the last first. Quinn ended up third on my ballot behind Monty Williams and Tom Thibodeau. Um, there was a time a couple months ago where I thought Monty, uh, or excuse me, where it was, where it was Quinn, it was Quinn one and Monty two, and then Monty overtook him, and then the Knicks kept coming and coming and coming, and it was like, you know, it's all you're doing with this an exercise like that is weighing how impressive it all was, right? Like every single one of those situations, those three alone, to say nothing of Doc Rivers or Steve Nash or some others, every single one of these, it's like wow. That was a really amazing job these guys did this season. And so then it's just weighing relative, like, well, which was more impressive, the, you know, rescuing the Knicks out of nowhere to being fourth in the East versus the Suns being 10 years out of the, the playoffs and then jumping from 10th to second and nearly getting the best record versus what the Jazz did and going from good to great. Like, they're all impressive. And so ultimately you start splitting hairs at the end. So uh, Quinn landed third. Um, Donovan Mitchell did not end up on anything that I did. Jordan Clarkson ended up my sixth man. I was leaning angles for a bit there. And then I thought, you know, I don't want to overthink this. Um, there's this kind of backlash in recent years as analytics have become more a part of our discussion and I get it. And I, and I'm part of this too. Like I believe efficiency matters a lot and Ingles is way more efficient than Clarkson, but to an extent and to the extent that they're both coming off the bench, what Jordan Clarkson can do with the ball in his hands to loosen up a defense because of his ball handling and his ability to break down a defense and, and get into the teeth, I think helps Ingles be that efficient. Like, I don't know if Joe Ingles gets all those shots and as efficiently uh, and without the space that's being created by Jordan Clarkson. Plus, if I'm, again, splitting hairs, um, Ingles started a ton of games. Now, he still was uh, came off the bench for more than he started, so he qualifies. I'm not saying he's not a sixth man, but um, when you're splitting hairs, you eventually say, okay, well, who was more of a sixth man? <laughs> um, so that's how that went. And then Rudy was my defensive player of the year by a little bit over Ben Simmons. There's a lot of different ways to, to you know, parse that whole thing. Um, but I ended up going with Rudy on kind of on the premise that like Ben Simmons is the more versatile defender. Like if you, if you said, who do you want who could just guard one through five, no problem, 
um, night in, night out, and, and enable you to do all kinds of other things with your defense because of it. Okay, Ben Simmons is the more versatile, but Rudy's a walking top five defense. Like, you know, stick him on Minnesota, stick him on um, I don't know who else is horrendous defensively. It's the, the Sacramento Kings, the Washington Wizards. You you put them on any of those teams without changing anything else, and they're probably top five defense. And that that that's an incredible thing. Howard, what do you think is the most interesting first round playoff series we have? The most interesting. Um, I really love Milwaukee, Miami. Um, it's a shame in some ways that they're meeting at this stage because uh, I, I, I like the fact that, that they've got a little history because they met last year in the second round. Miami gets the upset or in the, yeah, first round, second round, whatever it was. Uh, Miami, um, you know, smokes them four to one last year. And Giannis was pretty tame in that series. Didn't even average 22 points a game, a little bit below. And, you know, Buttonholzer comes under fire for not adjusting in, in that series. And, you know, Giannis's inability to shoot becomes a problem in that series. So, you know, here's Miami once again, flying under the radar, once again, in the bottom half of the bracket and not looking even as potent as they did last year, offensively, because some of their young guys have, have, have struggled a bit, but it's the, it's Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio. It's a, it's a Spolster coach team. They're going to give you everything that you can possibly handle. And this is a really big test for the, for the new and improved version of the bucks with drew holiday and P.J. Tucker and, a, you know, a, a more developed Giannis. And, you know, so we'll see. Um, but that one has definitely got my attention because, if look, if the Bucks lose, you know, Giannis signed long-term. So the threat of him just bailing because of failure there is not as, as big of an issue, or maybe it's not an issue at all. But they went all in to get through Holiday, and they traded a lot of assets to build up this roster and, and keep maximizing it for Giannis. And so losing in the first round – would be just a, a you know colossal disappointment. But Miami's the defending Eastern Conference champs, and deservedly so. And and they're a team I think that has the potential to to make another deep run. Howard, how long do you think it'll take Donovan Mitchell to get back up to speed? He hasn't played for what's it been, Jake? It'll be like a seven month. weeks or so. I mean, Not quite that. It's yeah, been about a month, a, a, quite a while. And uh, he he said the goal is for him to be ready to go Sunday night. Uh, well, how do you think that's going to go? I'd be concerned. I'm always concerned when a guy's been out a long time. I mean, I had that same standard for Anthony Davis, LeBron James, uh, James Harden, all the other stars who have been out uh, late in the season. I think it matters. I think it's an impact. I think, you know, there's the personal side of it, which is conditioning and, and getting your rhythm back. And then there's the team part of it, which is just kind of, you know, readjusting and getting that team rhythm back. And, you know, um, the the luxury of being the one seed is that maybe you've got time to get your 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 feet uh, settled again and get your rhythm back because your level of competition early on isn't as as tough. But if it's the Warriors, then they're not the average eight seed by any stretch. And so, um, and 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 that's also Donovan's position, right? I mean, obviously they got other guys. They got you know Mike Conley and others can take on the Steph Curry assignment, but. I just think that that's not the way you want to start off if you can avoid it, um, especially when you've got your your star guard coming back from injury. I believe we asked you about the, the play-in games and whether you like the concept last week, but let me add to that conversation by saying after seeing the, the ratings of the Lakers-Warriors game in particular and uh, hearing kind of some of the vibe coming from the NBA, it uh, appears like that thing's going to be here to stay. 
I mean, I have no doubt about it. And I wrote that weeks ago that it was going to be, you know, uh, it was very, very likely to, to be approved permanently. Um, there's nothing there's there, there's so far nothing to complain about. Right. I mean, yeah, there have been a couple of a couple of the games have been duds, but um and Lakers Warriors is, is like that is not this the, what you're going to get every year, right? Like they were really fortunate that it just happened to, to fall that way, but that was obviously a ratings bonanza. But I think it's also you know it's a new thing to sell. They got a you know State Farm sponsored it right off the bat. That's a longtime NBA sponsor anyway. But you know they named the play-in tournament you know the, by the corporate sponsor. Um, so that shows you where the financial incentive is. And as we've talked about before. You know, the entire league was still competing down the stretch of the season. Everybody was jockeying for something, either to get into the play-in, to avoid the play-in. Um, that's, it was just a really healthy uh, wrinkle because it made for better basketball down the stretch of the NBA season than in past years when we've got everybody tanking. Howard, the Jazz were so successful at home during the regular season. Jake, what were they, 31-5, and five, something like that? I, I'm just spitballing. I don't have it, it in there. front of me. That sounds it, right. It was, it was really lopsided in their favor. How important is that in a playoff setting? Because the building, I guess, is going to be mostly full. What uh, 13,000. 13, so it'll be, it'll be a little more normal in that regard. Is that a huge advantage for them, do you expect? I don't know the full spread of um, attendance limitations among the 16 playoff teams, but that'll be a really interesting number to look at. You know, uh, is, is it is it wildly disproportionate? Is there or is there a wild disparity? Because I think there's a difference between having 4,000 versus 16,000, right? Like yeah. uh, maybe there's not a huge difference between 10,000 and 16,000. Maybe 10,000 can make enough noise that the extra 6,000 is not as big of a, of a uh, jump. I don't know. Like, it, it's a hard thing to gauge, right? Like, home court advantage is obviously a lot about noise and feeling a crowd behind you or against you. It's Home court advantage has something to do with other things, right? Sleeping in your own bed versus not, being in hotels, not, you know, the comforts of home, all these other things. And it, there's never been any definitive um, – you know, study of, of, of what makes home court advantage uh, bigger in some places than others and all this, right? As we've discussed before, Utah and Denver have the advantage of elevation, and that's always going to be a factor regardless of crowd. But the size of the crowd, the intensity of the crowd, having, like I say, 5,000 versus 10 versus 15 versus 20, I think any, any crowd you have at all, if it's substantial, I think is going to restore what home court advantage you had. Like you don't, I don't think you need a packed building for there to be a home court advantage. I think it's just degrees at a certain point. Uh, by the way, just for the sake of accuracy, I said sixteen thousand. I meant to say thirteen. I think so you said. 13. Did I th- say thirteen? I think you said thirteen. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just make sure I got that right. Howard, but thirteen. Thirteen's a big number. Thirteen's yeah. a big number, and thirteen thousand people can make a lot of noise, and can. It's not the same as the twenty thousand or eighteen or whatever their capacity is. But 13,000 is a substantial number to create an atmosphere. Of course, if a team gets a road victory, then obviously that uh, home court advantage gets erased in a hurry. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, the wrinkles of in any given series, right? So, yeah. Well, Howard, thank you as always. And uh, when we talk to you next week, we'll be a, a few games into a series. So that'll be nice. Absolutely. Look forward to it, guys. Take care, Howard.
Howard Beck, our friend uh, from Sports Illustrated, senior NBA writer at Sports Illustrated. I think it'll, uh, I think it'll make a difference. I, I wonder how much of a difference it's made this year. You know, you look at the thirty-one and five, and you think about, uh, you know, just how good that is. Where home court hasn't mattered as much, and I wonder what it's like to go from playing in front of, because it's got to be weird to play in an empty stadium, right? Yeah. It's just got to be. Yeah. So even going from empty stadium to 6,000 fans or whatever it's been for most of the season. There's got to be a difference there. Even that, I mean, 6,000 really isn't that much in a building this big, but it's got to be different. Well, when we've heard Donovan talk about it and some of the other players, it, it's it's nice to hear what they say about how important that home crowd is to them and the lift it gives them, you know? Because, yeah, of course, you, you would expect that, right? But to hear it from the mouths of the players – Hey man, we hear you. You help us. That that's got to feel good for the fans here. And now that the building will be at least mostly full, not completely full, but mostly full, uh, then yeah, advantage Jazz. It's been convincing this season. Whether it's four thousand fans or whether it's thirteen thousand, for whatever reason, the Jazz play better in this building. It doesn't always hold up, but uh, I mean it. Uh, it, it <laughs> The the one problem with it is, Jake, if the Jazz get into a game and they're going, wait a second, we're down 10 and we sh- we always win in this building. Why are we down 10? Maybe they start to freak out a little bit, but I, I've i never asked any of the players about that, and I don't think they would admit to freaking out. You So they would freak out being down 10 more at home than on the road? Yeah, because they would be expecting to be winning here. No? Yes? You've just gotten pretty deep on this one. I, I don't know what your, I'm your, about. Your desire to think negatively has really oh, stretched, stop it. Really stretched <laughs> been, itself. I've been here. very positive of late. I write one column that, that discusses some of the potential problem areas, and now I'm Mr. Negativity. Headline. Don't hold your breath. Here's why the Jazz are going to lose. I didn't say that. Stop it. <laughs> K-E-R-S. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. We'll have more coming up uh, straight ahead. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point belt. Well, the wait is almost over. The Jazz will start their playoff run coming up Sunday night here at Vivint Arena. Tip-off will be at 7.30. Here's Rudy Gobert talking about uh, whether they would prefer the Grizzlies or the Warriors. I mean, we played both of those teams three times this year. Uh, you know, they did too. They have a lot of tape on us too. So, you know, it's like I said, you know, it's it's going to be about us playing, you know, our, our best basketball uh, on both ends and, you know, keep doing what we do, what we've been doing all year, uh, you know, and uh, we know that those uh, either of those teams going to, you know, give us a really good fight. And, you know, they're two really different teams, but, two really good teams, uh, you know, and two physical teams. So, you know, we're just going to be ready for, for the challenge. The eight seed game between the Grizzlies and the Warriors is tonight. It will tip off at 7 o'clock, and of course the winner will be headed to Salt Lake City to take on the Jazz on, on Sunday. This uh, bottom of the hour Jazz update brought to you by our friends at Mountainland Supply. Now here we go. The regular season is over. 
and the top-seeded Utah Jazz are set to make their NBA playoff run. Hear every second of every moment of Jazz playoff basketball right here on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for word number three in our phrase that pays for playoff tickets. We've given out a word each hour. When we give out the final word at 530, we'll call for the 12th caller. If you have the entire phrase, you're going to game one. NBA playoffs here at this building Sunday night. Jazz versus either the Grizzlies or the Warriors. All right. It's all good, man. You ready for the third word? I am. Is... Is. Is. Like that depends on what your definition of is is. You mean like is? You mean like I-Z? I-S. Is. Okay, is. Like So I remember the first two words, which I will not reveal now, but uh, I am thinking about their connection to this word, and I can't wait to hear what the fourth word will be. Are you joking now, or do you really not know what the whole phrase is going to be? I don't know what the phrase is. Boston and I have been talking about yeah, it with you, you in the said, same room for you, the last, like, no, three hours. No, you said something else. The original one was different than that. No, that was the one I came up with. Oh. Jake well, thought that was awful, so he oh, came thought, up with I another thought, one. I thought yours was pretty good. Nope. I don't know that I thought yours was awful. <laughs> just... We can't be sensitive in a brainstorm, I'm just to be the victim here. Well, then how, how but we... how does Gordon not know? <laughs> that's amazing. I wasn't paying attention to you. I was paying attention to Austin. Well, that's Aust- a first. Austin has said it multiple times. Yeah. Oh, well. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> He's still got hamburgers on the bread. Is, is this what happens when you have five kids that you just really learn the art of selective hearing? Probably. Is no, that I what it is? I, I no, would believe I, it. I was busy uh, looking at other stuff when you mentioned the phrase that you came up with, but I don't understand Every time. how your phrase is better than Austin's You phrase. don't even know what my phrase is. I, well, I know what the first three words are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. man. Okay. I can't wait till we give these tickets out because it's, it's good stuff, man. I'm just going to stop talking during the break. No, just, don't. I'm, I'm just going to You're stop. enormously entertaining. Because it just... I love hearing your chatter. Even though you, you don't listen to me at all. I do listen And this is even in, in uh, show planning stuff. Just tuned right out. <laughs> I always I'll wondered you, about those, like, you see parents with with kids that are being loud at restaurants, and the parents are just sitting there enjoying their meal when the kids are bouncing <laughs> off the walls, and I thought, they must just train themselves just to no, tune but, it out. See, here's the thing. When you talk to me directly, I listen. I listen very carefully. But when you're just over there prattling along, I, I sometimes I do uh, fade away. But I, but I'm I give so you personally I, I, insulted I, I right give, now. No, I give you due respect. When you look at me and you talk to me, I am all ears, young man. <laughs> you are something. 
Tell you what, it's, I, it, I've never felt uh, more irrelevant. It's actually oh. a big weekend for the Salt Lake City Stars, and we have four tickets to give away for that. We thought we'd do a keyword. You want to do a keyword? Yeah. What should we do? Um, hmm. Rebound? We had decided during the break. Why are you going away from the word we decided? I set this up for you to go, how about finals? Our show is completely spontaneous, folks. We never plan anything out in advance. I think we can plan what a keyword is going to be. I thought you changed your mind. Here's where you make a good point. Why do we plan anything on this show? (laughs) Just going to be spitballing from here on out. This is not a new problem. Now, we do plan the show, but... uh, (laughs) No, we don't. I I did not... uh, I wasn't paying attention apparently at that on that occasion either. <laughs> oh well. But today was different because I heard what Austin said and I thought that's what we were going to do, and then and then you were prattling along over there and I. <laughs> I, I <laughs> okay, so from here on out, no, you're not Austin, from from here hurts. from here on out, every single anecdote. <laughs> no. On air or off, no, don't you can you, just automatically don't assume uh, uh, that uh, I am uh, uh, tuning it don't you all dare. the way out. No, because when I'm talking, I'm talking to you. When you talk, you're talking to me. I'm listening. But when you're over there just blah, 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 then, then I kind of sometimes will fade a little. You know, devising a way to give out highly sought after playoff tickets as a show. That that's what he means by blah 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 blah. And from here out, when you go, you know, when I was back in Delaware, I uh, blah 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 blah. That's what I'm getting. I wanted a hamburger. No, because I was playing. I was softball practice, and just you know the 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 density of the softball. Blah 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 blah. No, because when I'm out, he's got you dead to rights, Gordo. No, no. No, no, it's different because when I'm telling you a story, young man, I am telling you the story. When you're over there just going, I heard what Austin said, and I said, yep, that's a good idea. <laughs> and then you started blah, blah, you know, doing all the things that you weren't talking to me. Uh, I pulled up at my Trans Am, and then, uh, you know, they said, hey. You remembered that uh, I had a Trans Am? Uh, hey, young man. Um, we know you're going off to college next week, but how would you like to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's from here on out. No, don't you do I that to me. I finally have permission. No, no, I, no. It feels so good. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Not when I'm talking straight to you. When you're talking straight to me, I am all ears. I am hearing you. Like when I said, hey, Gordon, I have an idea for a phrase. <laughs> you mean that, that time no, when I was talking no, right to, you, talking to all, you? You were talking to Austin. He did that. Because Austin How was, would you know? Because Austin was the one that came up with the phrase. He didn't. Because if you said my name, I'm, I'm, I'm dialed in, man. I, I, I really, you know, it, this is an interesting point because I hate it when people are talking to each other and talking with each other. And instead of listening to what the person is saying, they're thinking of what they're going to say next. Mm-hmm. Now, that's different than what I did to you because you were talking to Austin and I was just tuning both of you out. Mm-hmm. But you weren't that- talking to me. So I wasn't thinking about anything to reply with because you were talking to Austin. So I have sort of trained myself. When you talk to Austin, I don't listen because I often because I've trained myself not to meddle in other people's business. So I thought you were talking to him about something else. Now, admittedly, I've been thinking this for the last several minutes. uh, uh, You've been talking. Uh, Is can we measure how full of it you are right now? Is that is there like a scale? (laughs) 
It's admirable, though. <laughs> it, is, it is very. We need a shovel in here, don't we? It's the, the, uh, the final, uh, the final uh, word in the phrase, which will come at a surprise to Gordon. <laughs> we'll give it out at five thirty. Stay tuned. The Not Sports I, Report is next. I sure as heck know the first three. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Board brought to by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going down under again. Okay. Is that all right? <laughs> I would not like you need my permission, but yeah, this, carry on. Well, this is a little frightening because we have we can have this problem around these parts now and again. But uh, in the, the, the part of Australia that's, uh, I guess it's like four hours from Sydney, uh, it's uh, – anyway, the, the, the point is that they are being inundated with mice. Millions and millions of mice. It's to the point now where they've ravaged fields – and infested homes, uh, and they are even they're finding mice in people's beds, and and uh, in, in, and they're finding mice droppings in people's kitchens, children's rooms, uh, everywhere. Oh my gosh! And they have pictures of this is disturbing. You know? Do you remember the movie Willard? No. Wasn't Willard. that a movie about rats? Back in the day, like a rat named Willard. Yeah, I have no. This is news to and me. I think there was an was offshoot. Was Greta Garbo in it? <laughs> no, there was an offshoot, uh, Mr. Movie. Uh, you can look it up, Willard. And then there was an offshoot. I think Ben, where rats took over and were menacing. But this, uh, this, this really has me a little freaked because we have mice around here. A lot of them. Have you ever had mice in your house? Uh, yes, I'm aware of the mice in our area. They actually remade Willard in 2003, starring Crispin Glover. That's too bad. <laughs> so, so anyway, a lot of mice. <laughs> I mean, so one of the one of the uh, the uh, the house uh, owners there in that area said, "I can deal with mice and killing mice." Uh, her preference is for the model of <laughs> some poison. That creates a quick death. So apparently they're just they're they're like spraying poison everywhere. You know, it's a, they called. Uh, let's see, officials announced they'd secured five thousand liters of one of the liters of one of the world's strongest mice killing chemicals, a poison so potent it kills with one little dose. So I don't know. This has freaked me out. Um, could this happen here? Look at the, Jake. Look at this. Look at this. Look at that picture. It's a lot of mice. They're they're everywhere. It, wouldn't a f- a nicely uh, placed flamethrower or two handle this situation? <laughs> yeah, but if you do that, will you burn your house down? Well, I'll tell you this: if my house is overrun by rats, I'm burning it down. <laughs> 
Or how about this move? How do you move? <laughs> Good luck selling it. I know, whatever. Start just over. cut your losses. Just, just, just call it a day. It's condemned. You know what? We're moving. This is the worst mouse plague ever in Australia, at least in record. Um, yeah, I mean, they're everyone's trying all these uh, these different things to use to to get rid of them. And uh, let's see, this one guy said that uh, uh, he was pulling out heavy weaponry to kill the the mice. But uh, some of the options. Uh, I can't even pronounce some of this. Bromodialone? Uh, anyway. Is that a chemical? Yeah. And they, they say it's too dangerous to use. So anyway, I I don't know. It just freaked me out. I would hate to see. So you just say the mice win, huh? Well, I, I don't know. What do they I, mean I too dangerous to use? You, you don't have to eat a piece and then feed it to no, them, No, but you? I guess having it out, if any kind of exposure to it could be dangerous do, to use. Do they not have cats in Australia? <laughs> Mice are, I get that they're pests, but they're not, this isn't R-U-S's from Princess Bride. They're mice. Kill them. Let, let, let PETA be damned. Remove the mice from the earth. So, okay, so let me ask you guys, as both of you are homeowners... If you had mice in your house, uh, to what lengths would you go to get rid of them? I would I would find one, and I'd cut his head off, and I'd put it on a little pike in the middle of each room so the other mice know this guy's not the one to fool with. Uh, have you ever seen that movie? Was it is Mouse Trap? Mouse Hunt? Yeah, Mouse Hunt. I, I'd do what those guys did. <laughs> what they did? Board by board, yeah, nail what, by what nail? What didn't they do? <laughs> That's a funny movie. If you had to, if they had you, Christopher Walken, the Exterminator, go through there. there. There's another Nathan Lane movie. Didn't Gordon not, not know who Nathan Lane yeah, was I the didn't. other day? He wasn't in Willard, so he was not in Willard. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so anyway, look, uh, would you poison? Would you lay poison out throughout your whole house so you had to move out for a month? To what lengths would you go, Jake? No, I think I would just deal with it. Just kill them one by one? No, just share the the dwelling. <laughs> <laughs> Adopt this Welcome new life. In. I just this is how it's going to be from here on Have out. Have you seen that right. that rat temple in India? No. It's it's this whole big old temple that is r- overrun by rats, and they just let them overrun it because they believe them to be a sacred animal. Really? Yeah. It's like Rat Island. It's ridiculous. Well, one thing's for sure. A I little have- napalm. I got a fresh place. <laughs> I do have something in common with rats and mice. Oh no. I do like cheese. You do like cheese more than anybody uh, I know. I like myself some cheese. But I, I would that would make me feel very uncomfortable. I would get a cat. I'd get a I'd get two cats. <laughs> That'll do it. That one that may be one of my favorite videos of all time. Easily number one cat video I've ever seen. Yeah, that was fun. All the guy's doing is petting his cat. This is Mr. Penelope or whatever he said. (laughs) Then he dies by cat. What was the real real explanation? The cat's nail got stuck in the zipper of his jacket. Yeah, that's right. No, it was his pants. Or his pants. And he he was trying to get rid of it. And it was was hurting the cat. You know what? I'm going to watch that during the break. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Yeah, I'm going to you know go back and watch do, that though? again. If I were going to do that, I was going to turn those cats loose on the mice. I think I might try to make it a funny thing and have everybody in the house look put, put like Mickey Mouse. 
Mickey Mouse hat on or something. <laughs> I'm confused. What? It's part of the theme of the day. Are okay, you Stanley Kubrick. What are you talking about here? Why is that funny? <laughs> You you find a Clockwork Orange real funny would too. You, don't you? Would, you know, have you ever watched that movie start to finish? No, me neither. I can't make my way through it. Too weird. Kind of like that Mickey Mouse thing. It's weird. This yeah, whole I, segment, really. I, well, I just look at that. Look at that. I, you showed I, me. Yeah. <laughs> They're everywhere. You don't need to show me again. They're yeah. everywhere. You would have to get a herdic. You'd have to get cats. You'd have to get. 20,000 cats to catch all those mice. So coming up next, we're going to play some jazz sound. We're going to let you hear from Rudy, as well as Boyan Bogdanovich. So stay tuned for that. Kristen Kinney will be on the show Who at we 5.30. Have, what are we doing? Uh, Bob <laughs> at 5.50. Stay tuned. Who are we having on? More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280. What's your name again?